Twitter handle at Religion of Woke, all one word. Hey, my Uyghur, what about all these Chinese? Hey, my Uyghur, be careful of the hard R. Can I hit it in the morning without giving you half of my dough? And even worse, if I was broke, would you want me if I couldn't get you finer things? Like all them diamond rings bitches kill for. Would you still roll if we couldn't see the sun rising off the shore of Thailand? Would you ride then if I wasn't driving? If I wasn't a eight-figure Uyghur by the name of Jiga, would you come around me or would you clown me? If I couldn't flow futuristic, would you? Put your two lips on my wood and kiss it, could you? See yourself with a Uyghur working higher than nine to five, ten to six, two jobs to survive, or do you need a baller so you can shop and tear them all up? Brag to your friends what I bought ya. If you couldn't see yourself with a Uyghur when his dough is low, baby girl, if this is so, can I get a... Information for this podcast is coming from Another podcast where Robert Wright interviews David Brophy. Robert Wright is the most correct person I've ever met. And the reason why is because he is just completely against America going to war against other countries. Which I agree with. So, welcome to the show. Alright, let's talk about the Uyghurs. Um, They speak a Turkic language and they're Muslims. They're in the north west corner of China the amount of land that they live on is like whatever it's probably bigger than you know most countries huge amount of land 25 million people that land is called Xinjiang the Xinjiang province so in the 1700s uh, the Qing dynasty which I think is the last dynasty before uh, the communists took over China um they took control of what is now Xinjiang. And they kind of did a hands-off approach, let the people do what they want, mostly. Apparently the Qing dynasty was not doing that good. They weren't like a super powerful, whatever, government. And then somewhere in the early 1900s, um, like Xinjiang was thinking of itself as, as East Turkestan. And West Turkestan, that's like all the Uzbekistan and the Kazakhstan. So I guess all the stands are kind of like one group. I mean, I'm sure the people, I'm sure the people over there would say we weren't one group. But anyways, for the three thousand foot view, all the stands were one group, and Xinjiang was the chunk of it on the east side, the Chinese side. All right. So just for some context, I'm looking up uh, Uzbekistan. So they. Uh, Whatever they were, some sort of Muslim country. But anyways, they got they got swallowed up by the Soviet Union in 1920, and then got independence in 1991. So I imagine the Uyghurs. I don't know if I said this. The Uyghurs they live in Xinjiang, and you know they're in the news. So the Uyghurs probably look at that and go, "Damn, if we would have been part of Russia, we'd be uh whatever free and clear since the early 90s now." But whatever the thing got chopped for random reasons, and they got into the China part, and then China has never fallen apart like Russia did, or the Soviet Union. Okay, so, you know, from 27 to 49, I guess that's the Chinese Civil War, and uh, the Uyghurs were hoping that they could get their own little country that would be like the Soviet Republic of Uyghurstan, but it didn't work out. 
because Stalin is such a nice guy, he basically gave that part to his new communist buddies over in China. And all the, uh, I guess it's the dynasty people or whatever. Anyways, the people that moved to Taiwan, all those people got out of Xinjiang. And I'm not sure if it would have been the Republic of Uyghurstan or Uyghurstan, but apparently that is the name it would have gotten. Okay, and so the technical name for it today, still today, is the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Zone. So, I guess, you know, they know that it's a little bit different there. There were some political shenanigans there. It ain't just normal part of China. So I guess there's a number of autonomous regions in China, maybe five of them, like their states. And uh, they get to pass their own laws, but the Communist Party has veto power over that, so they're not really autonomous. But the Chinese constitution uh, does have some stuff in there about um, people getting to continue to speak their own language and have their own culture, you know, whether or not they follow their constitution. Sounds like there's... They did follow it, and now nowadays they're following it less. But so, they were you know the Uyghurs are supposed to be protected with their uh, language and culture, and then China had affirmative action for them so that they could like get an education. Uh, and also, China had that one-child policy, but they didn't uh, enforce that hardcore on the Uyghurs, so they could have more kids. So that's that's something right there. Well, obviously, none of this stuff is going to go well in the long run. So, so basically, previously, if you were a Uyghur in the countryside, you could have as many kids as you wanted. And if you were a Uyghur in the city, you could have more than one kid. Uh, you know, exactly how many, I don't know. Don't go crazy, but you could have more than one. And then, you know, at that same time, the rest of Chinese, the Han, the Han Chinese, I think that's what, you know, a normal Chinese person is, the Han Chinese, they were limited to one kid. So, it's kind of like the Uyghurs, you know, the Uyghurs had it better. But now, China's worried about, like, their version of Social Security and everyone getting too old. And so, they're letting, you know, the normal Chinese people have more kids now. I think I heard they can have up to three now. And, uh, and now they're clamping down on the number of kids the Uyghurs can have. So, whatever. They did a 180. And so, sometimes people will say there's a genocide in, um... Xinjiang is a Uyghur genocide. And it sounds like the number one thing that China is doing that makes people say, hey, you're doing a genocide, is that they are uh, they're coercively getting Uyghur women to have IUDs implanted. Interuterine device, I think. Yeah, anyways, it's a kind of birth control. Uh, it's long-lasting, lasts three to six years, super effective. And, uh, you know, maybe these women want to have a bunch of kids, but uh, they're like, things are not going to go good for you. You know, they don't, I don't think they're going to like, I'm going to shoot you if you don't put in this IUD. But, uh, you know, if you want your life to be easy, you better put in this IUD. Or if you want your life to be not super hard, put in this IUD. And so, is that genocide? I don't know. Genocide is getting um, used more and more for different things. That's right. I was another podcast, I was talking about rape. A whole bunch of rape, that's considered genocide too. Like, you don't have to kill people for it to be called genocide now. Which is fine, whatever, words change. Anyway, so I was looking up IUD to make sure it was interuterine device. And the number one question suggested by Google was, can I be fingered with an IUD? 
I didn't read the answer though. Okay, here's the numbers. The limit is two kids per woman in the city, three in the country, then you gotta put an IUD in. Yeah, so I guess, you know, if someone says, oh, there's forced sterilization, well, like that's all of China, and the Uyghurs have it the best. So that's interesting. All right, let's get a couple stats out here before we get to the terrorism. Um, in 2010, the place was 46% Uyghur, 41% Han, 6.5% Kazakh, and then, well, some other ones. Anyways, so it's about half Uyghur and a little bit under half, uh, you know, Han Chinese. I think that's the normal kind of Chinese. So there you go, some political polarization. Half the people want their own country, half the people want to be Chinese. And uh, in 2014, the Muslim, whatever, the Uyghurs, I guess, uh, they did a bunch of terrorist attacks in 2014. And I guess China was kind of divided, like, hey, we should be nice to them. Some people thought, and hey, we need to clamp down on these guys real hard. Other people thought. And after the terrorist attacks, the people who wanted to clamp down on them hard got what you know got to do it people are like yeah i guess so let's clamp down it's funny how that works all right so what kind of terrorism they got over there uh i'm just going to read you a thing when you type in uh 2014 uyghur attack into google and here's what it says 2014 kunming attack a group of eight knife wielding terrorists attacked passengers in the kunming railway station station anyway someplace in china 2014 they pulled out long-bladed knives and stabbed and slashed passengers at random. They killed 31 civilians and injured more than 140 other people. Hmm, they don't mess around. I guess they ain't got guns. A little more information about that Kung Ming uh, terrorist attack. Um, it was in the south of China. It was not in the Uyghur area. So apparently some Uyghurs were like, we want to leave China. This place sucks. And so they were trying to get out of China by heading south. I don't know, towards Thailand or whatever. And before they got out of the country, basically, they got to the southern part of China. And then, you know, whoever's bright idea it was, <clears throat> instead of trying to get out of the country, they changed their minds and they did the terrorist attack. So, whatever. I would have thought it would have been in uh, Xinjiang, but it wasn't. So the Chinese government, obviously, is full of a bunch of real nice guys. And so they've declared, you know, thousands of terrorist incidents in the, by the Uyghurs. And, you know, it might be just like a land dispute or whatever. But uh, they get to decide. And, you know, they're real nice. So the Chinese can say, hey, we're being real nice. And, you know, everything we're doing is for the benefit of the Uyghurs. And then, you know, other people disagree. I'll say anyways, the Chinese government in the 2000s starting to get a little bit worried about all these autonomous zones. So the Uyghurs is like the big famous one, but uh, they, got, they got, you know, the Mongols over in Mongolia. Basically, it kind of sounds like what race is in America, you know? It's like, you got... Whatever, if you had the black people live in one corner, corner of the world and the Hispanics, or sorry, one corner of the U.S. and Hispanics living in the other corner of the U.S. And then the U.S. was controlled by the Chinese government. They're like, hmm, I don't know if we want these people to be so separate and different and be able to keep their own language and culture. 
Alright, this made me look up the... Like, Native Americans kind of had an uprising in the 70s, and I'm like, what was the story with that? Doesn't look like they had much, uh, you know, were they terror, you know, one person's terrorist is one, another person's freedom fighter, but anyways, it doesn't look like there was too many deaths associated with it. I, mean, I think Native Americans are just such a small group, they probably couldn't, couldn't really uprise too much. But anyways, one thing they did is they took over uh, Alcatraz, Alcatraz Island, as a political gesture. But apparently there's a Pine Ridge Reservation, I think it's in North Dakota, and uh, two FBI agents got killed. Now, it's basically nothing. There's some, you know, well, there's some sort of a... Native American guy who was trying to start up a uprising of some sort, and he, whatever, him versus his buddy, or not his buddy, him versus his enemies, all on the Pine Ridge Reservation, 60 people died. So, whatever, but I think that was all Indians. And then uh, two FBI agents went in there to, whatever, investigate, and they got killed, so... As far as I can tell, that's the most deaths from the Native American uprisings in the 70s. And the name of them was the uh, AIM, American Indian Movement. Started in 68, in Minneapolis of all places. So, China has restrictions on like, like you can still do stuff in the Uyghur language, I guess Turkic, but um the books have to be looked at, you know, you can't do like a history book of that area in Uyghur and say that the Uyghurs are good and the Chinese are bad. They will uh, clamp down on your butt for that kind of book. And also they're not entirely, Chinese are not trying to get rid of Islam entirely, but they're trying to make it a Chinese kind of Islam, which means that they don't want Uyghurs to think that they're part of uh you know, the rest of the Muslims in the world, they want them to think that they're, whatever. They're Muslims and they're Chinese, and that's it. For instance, uh, like if you put like a minaret or whatever, those little domes, those little Muslim domes uh, on your building, they might come over and smash that thing. Alright, I guess there's talk about um, mosques being destroyed in Xinjiang. But that's not exactly right. Like, maybe there'll be like an old mosque. I guess wasn't offensive looking to the Chinese. And then they'd like build an addition onto the mosque that like looks super Muslim. And the Chinese would go over there and they'd tear down the the addition. Like they'd leave the original mosque, but you can't have a super Muslim looking thing. But what the Chinese have been getting more hardcore than mosques about is uh, shrines. So they got shrines, I guess little shrines here and there that uh, the Uyghurs like to gather at at certain times of year. And so, you know, they may not destroy the shine, shrine, but they uh, the Chinese might fence it off and put police around there and like, you know, hey, what are you doing going down this road? Uh, you know, you're you're suspicious if you're trying to go near a shrine. And then some of the shrines have been destroyed also. All right, let's compare this Muslim stuff a little bit to uh, Christianity in China for context. So, this is from Wikipedia. 
Today it's estimated that Christianity is the fa fastest growing religion in China. There were some 4 million Christians before 1949. In 2018, there was over 44 million Christians. And, you know, if you read articles about Christians in China, it's pretty much always the same thing. Um, like, China allows Christianity as an official religion, but you gotta, like, you know, have a church that the, whatever, the Chinese government has looked at and said, okay, that's an okay church, which I guess they don't do enough for the, whatever, for the Christians, uh, you know, for how much church they want. And so there's a lot of, like, underground church services, you know, maybe people have a church at their house or whatever. And uh, the Chinese government is very, very concerned. Alright, still on Wikipedia. If you want to go join a Christian church, you have to be over the age of 18. Never heard of that. That's interesting. It's like smoking and sex in America. Alright, back to the Uyghurs. Uh, one thing the Chinese are doing is they're making you sign like a book whenever you go into a mosque to pray. And it's just like, hey, you know, you've been here a hundred days in a row. We got your eyes on you. Okay, and apparently there's a bunch of Muslims in China, but they speak Chinese. So, you know, they get the stink eye, but it's not like the Uyghurs who don't speak Chinese. All right, so if you're a Uyghur and, you know, you accidentally went to mosque a hundred days in a row or you gave up alcohol or you quit smoking, uh, you might need to go to an education camp. And if you sent your kids abroad to go study in some Muslim countries, look out. Alright, so you're a Uyghur. You're in an education camp, or maybe a re-education camp. What's up? Well, it sounds like the Chinese base these camps and what they do on, like, law enforcement in like Britain and America, like these de-radicalization things. You know, I think in Europe they did it a lot. It's like, you know, France. France and Britain, they got a lot of Muslims, young Muslims who uh, occasionally commit terrorist acts. And it's like, how do you de-radicalize them? I mean, I don't think anyone really knows. But anyways, China has taken note of that stuff and they're putting it into their camps. And I guess the first thing is like, hey, learn Chinese. And so you get put into one of these camps. And if you learn Chinese, and if you can get a high enough score on a Chinese language test, they might let you out. Okay, so this is June 2021. But in fact, the number of people getting locked up in these detention camps, I mean, you know, they look like a... I've seen videos of it. They look like uh, concrete... It looks like a college. It looks like a shitty college built in the 1970s in America. Concrete buildings. Crappy dorms. Crappy classrooms. But in any case, for whatever reason, more of the Uyghurs are getting out now than are going in. And so, like, a lot of Uyghur families are getting their uh, Uyghur family members released and sent home to them. So I guess that's good. And apparently, the average amount of time that you had to spend in one of these education camps was two years. So that, that's a freaking nightmare. And so earlier on in these education camps, you know, yeah, learn Chinese, but also it's like learn how uh, the Chinese constitution and the Chinese laws work and learn about how 
China is awesome. But then, uh, you know, the, the rest of the world was like, hey, what do you do to these people? And so they started shifting their education towards um, learn a skill, vocational skill. So they kind of had like these light industrial factories and the Uyghurs would go to work each day and, you know, supposedly learn a, whatever, they'd know how to work in a factory, I guess, afterwards. So you got these uh, labor camps, but uh, also there's just the general public and the Chinese, the China government wants people to move from rural places where there ain't no jobs to cities where there are jobs. You know, now how much pressure do they put on you to make that move? And so, like, you know, some outside of China organizations have been calling this slave labor. I mean, the people get paid, but apparently what China's been doing is they, uh, you know, tax breaks or whatever, they incentivize companies to go build a company sorry, build a factory in Xinjiang. And then maybe they can say to like some people in the education camps, hey, you can get out if you go work at this factory. And then they also say to some of the Uyghurs, like, hey, you know, you're on our radar, but if you go to this other town, other city and work at this factory, you uh, will be considered okay. I will say at this point, like, I haven't heard of anyone being murdered but, uh, you know, I'm sure someone has been killed over it. But anyways, they're not gunning down people that don't comply. But they're also not messing around. And so no one knows, like, the percentage of the people who are working in these factories. They would, you know, run away as soon as they possibly can. Or they're like, hey, this is way more money than I made before when I was crazy dirt poor in a far-off village. Like, no one knows. And the Chinese government doesn't allow a ton of interviews. The next question is, should like American companies or the American government put sanctions on stuff from Xinjiang? You know, if your Nike shoes are being made there, uh, is it better for the Uyghurs to uh, say, we will never let our shoes be made there, and then they all get thrown out of work? I mean, the answer is it's probably not better. But then what's your alternative? The answer is, I don't know. Alright, now some stats. There's 11 million Uyghurs in Xinjiang, but apparently it's Xinjiang. So I guess I'll start saying it that way. And no one knows how many uh, Uyghurs got put into these education camps, but it's uh, somewhere from a couple hundred thousand up to a couple million. I mean, it kind of sucks. You really don't know. And apparently this is what people fight like, or... This is what people fight about. Like, you know, if you're talking about Uyghurs, it's 2 million. It's 200,000. You monster. And that's a lot of people. I don't know how big Columbus, Ohio is, but it might be about the size of Columbus, Ohio. On the low end. Now, so the Chinese government is moving on. They got a new thing to do. You know, maybe they put, in quotes, only 200,000 Uyghurs into these education camps their new plan is put a much smaller number of Uyghurs into prison and put them in there for a long time. I mean, I hate to say this, but like if I was a Chinese government official and I wanted to, whatever, stop some sort of revolt in my country, I think I would just say, okay, take all the 
men from the age of 18 to 25 and throw them in prison. Done. And I think that kind of thing has been tried before. And you just end up, uh, whatever, putting a bunch of people into a prison where one of them's a terrorist and then they all come out a terrorist. So we'll see what happens. I guess that brings me up to date, sort of. But, uh, so that's up to date with China. But now, what's the question about, you know, corporations or activists on, you know, basically Americans. American activists on Twitter and then other countries. So what's the story with that stuff? Well, you know, people are like, hey, you gotta let the Uyghurs free. Let, you know, let the Uyghurs be free on Twitter. You know, that's probably, uh... I don't even know if that's the people on the left. You know, like LeBron James and a bunch of sports stars are known for, uh, whatever, saying what the Chinese government wants them to say. Because, you know, I think like the NBA, for instance, uh, gets not half its money, but, you know, most of their money comes from America, and then the rest of it comes from China. Like, they love basketball for some reason, even though they're short. But anyways, while... Certain people have been going around trying to build a coalition to uh, shame China into doing what they want. China has been going around uh, building a coalition of, like, you know, countries and whatnot who agree with China and say, hey, we don't want America telling us what to do. Like, hey, look at that time America lied about weapons of mass destruction and then invaded Iraq. Uh, you know, maybe America should keep their nose out of this stuff keep their nose out of our country's business and so anyways apparently a lot of countries agree that america should keep their nose out of their business so it's not like china is a whatever a pariah they're not they're not getting given a dunce cap and put in the corner uh, a lot of other people agree a lot of other countries agree okay thanks for listening